Hello, friends. On today's episode of Life After High School, I sit down with my good buddy, Anthony Duong, to talk about how he manages his career as a paramedic, his marriage, his brand new baby, and his multiple businesses. How does he keep track of it all? We find out today. If you're new to the podcast, please consider subscribing. Enjoy the show. It's the Life After High School podcast. Anthony, brother, welcome to the show, dude. I, uh, I'm stoked to have you on. And man, I love being around people like you. Honestly, just you got so much shit going on and so many things you're doing. It's, dude, you got this energy about you. I'm like, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it, guys. This is good. This is good. So then, with that, are things different now because COVID? Like for uh, you and your career and everything? Like, how's that kind of been affecting you so far i wouldn't necessarily say anything's like different more so precautions taken realistically speaking i work around general public still yeah like they're all sick they're all dying right some people more than others right (laughs) but realistically like all it is is just you take the general precautions and and nothing's really changed yes the call volumes have gone up there was a little bit of a spike that happened Mm -hmm. but uh no everything seems to be normalizing now That's good. For the most part. So, so we'll take back then. So, because you're a paramedic now, correct? Yeah. And let's backpedal to when you kind of finished high school and you were focusing on what you wanted to do. Take us through that a bit. Like how you made the decisions and ended up to here today. Well, all throughout high school, I was working as a lifeguard, right? Yeah. You'd know. Yes, sir. Ran into you doing yeah. backflips off of the... Uh, the nice little towers over at Laurentian, yeah. you and your brother. Landing on people. Good old hooligans. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it, it was honestly just like a stepping stone. Uh, jumping over it to becoming a paramedic. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a biggest of changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I still watch people do dumb shit every day. Yeah. Um, some people more than others. Uh, but realistically speaking, it's like you're still taking care of people. And realistically speaking, what uh, what I do as a paramedic kind of hones in on the skills that I've learned throughout uh, as well as being a lifeguard and just puts an emphasis on that basic first aid skills Mm -hmm. and CPR skills and, and amplifies that so that you can actually use them and perfect them. So uh, ultimately I always wanted to be a paramedic. It's something that's super fun. Um, But I was also conflicted because I also wanted to be a carpenter. (laughs) So it was either I became a carpenter or, different. yeah, right, yeah. two, two totally, different, two do- totally yeah. different Both career choices. Both great skills to have. But. Yeah, and my total yeah. choice about it was that I actually loved being a carpenter. I loved doing woodworking, yeah. so I didn't want that to be my career, right? Yeah, so I didn't, wa- I didn't want to turn around and, and hate what I actually did uh, as a job choice. Realistically speaking, I don't hate being a paramedic. Uh, being a paramedic is exciting it's fun it's entertaining and it changes every single day so I can't physically hate that because it changes whereas carpentry it's the same thing it's repetitive and I'm going to run into issues battery faults and all that stuff all the time (laughs) so I kind of kind of made my decision based off of that and I was already in line for that anyway so that's how I became a paramedic super simple yeah (laughs) now I want to go I want to touch on something you mentioned um with the skills you have and back to basic first aid. So back in 2017, the beginning of the year, myself and like the lifeguard team I was working with in Ottawa, we had to perform CPR on this man who had a heart attack, right? And I won't go through crazy amount of details, but one thing I did notice was that um, a lot of the paramedics, like we were rushing, I might've felt my adrenaline level spike and stuff, but what do you find goes through a paramedic's head when you're approaching the scene that you've because they've probably never been to that exact spot there what's that like so like i was saying our job is it it's that never really brings us to the same situation yes we'll run into the same problems but we'll never run into the same type of call ever twice and if we do that's a big fluke Mm -hmm. um by chance, again, running a cardiac call for us is pretty much just basic standards. Like, there's a procedure that we follow, and we normally nail it to a T because we've done it so many times. So, whenever you're running into a paramedic, yeah, your adrenaline may be super high, 
and you guys might be going like a thousand miles a minute. Mm-hmm. We are too, but we're normally doing it internally because we know we have a lot of stuff to gather and and perform to ensure that the patient's stable before they're ready for transport, uh, if anything. So a lot of the times when we're there dealing with actual patients in cardiac situations, like they're in cardiac mm-hmm. arrest or performing CPR, we need to maintain our composure and we need to stay calm yeah. for the main reason that if we freak out, everybody else freaks out. Mm-hmm. And that's not good for anybody. No, that makes a lot of sense. Right? Because we're the people that you... We rely on you. You rely on us. You look at us as far as like the professionals and you want to ensure that whatever we're doing is exactly what you expect to be done. Right. So a lot of the times, whenever we're going to be performing our skills, we're normally, say like there's two people running the code, but then you would have another crew that's normally there to back up for help. Um, then normally for the help is just to get all the stuff in line for transportation. So you're not spending too many time or too much time there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times also that other crew that might also be there, maybe an advanced care paramedic or somebody higher, like, uh, or realistically speaking, somebody else that's also there to kind of crowd control and reassure the people who are there. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Having to, you're, you can't be on edge because then somebody in that rescue life depending situation needs you kind of yeah like you can't yeah. sit there and say oh my god somebody call 911 oh wait <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's well, really weird and then they show up and they <laughs> suck yeah then I, you're like wait i have 911 yeah <laughs> that's right. crap yeah cuz i noticed i noticed like we were going we were moving and people were like oh wait for ems to arrive but i noticed something it was probably 10 minutes from the moment ems showed up and i saw them and then they actually took over. Yeah. Why? Uh, mainly most of the time is just there. If you're performing adequate CPR and you're doing everything to a T, we're mm. not going to stop you. And the reason for that is because if you're doing something fantastic and realistically speaking, your CPR is not going to be any different than ours. If you're doing something adequately and you're doing something... Uh, uh, to the T that we'd expect and say, hey, you're doing an excellent job. Why are we going to impede on that when we can set up our drugs, we can set up our stretcher, we can get everything all set up for transportation. So we actually get all of our gear set Ah. up. We'll get our pads on, we'll get our drugs out, we'll get get our stretcher ready, and we'll get ready for extrication just based off of the situation. So then the turnover rate is quick. It's, it's generally like, yeah. really quick, yeah. So yeah. most of the time, if you, if you ever run into the situation um, where you have to perform CPR in Sudbury, yeah. Sudbury paramedics are fantastic. And I'm not just being yeah. biased because yeah, I, wor- yeah, I, I, I know, work. I know two people. I know you and my buddy Matt Child. Shout out to him. Yeah. Both, every time I've talked to you guys about scenarios you've been in, it's completely pro- professional and stuff. I'm like, he'll joke around me, you'll joke around me. But when it comes to this topic, you guys are like, pretty by the book. Oh yeah, it, and like I, I always say, like the people that I work with are super, super professional, yes. super smart to the point. You'll never find a more, uh, I'm not even gonna say like uh, excellent medic. Realistically speaking, mm-hmm. you're not Prepared. gonna find a, a medic that's more knowledgeable and and well versed in every single topic yeah. than anywhere else. Like uh, if you can, you can probably compare us to uh, maybe like Sault Ste. Marie. Or North Bay because of their their style of call volumes, but yeah. realistically speaking, if you're starting to go down to like Toronto, Ottawa, other places like that, their call types are way different. And realistically speaking, um, some of them you'll run into they'll just deal specifically with a certain type of call based yeah. off of the general area, right. because this is salt, such a diverse area, such a culturally diverse area, such a diverse community based off of age groups. You get everything from all spectrums, from trauma to medical calls and mm-hmm. It's a, uh, it really pushes your, uh, pushes you to the point where you actually need to know everything versus if you go into other areas, they may specialize. Technically, right. I don't want to say specialize, specialize but it's it. like specialized. They're more aware, stuff. more prepared, and more used to certain situations. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Now, with that then, do you know, what is your most intense 24-hour shift, if you can talk about it, as general as possible? Because I know confidentiality is a thing. Intense 24-hour shift. Um, yeah. What like, are your shifts like? Our, our shifts are 12 hours. They're 12-hour yeah. shifts. They they vary. Earliest one normally starting at 5.30 in the morning. Yeah. And the latest one being 9 o'clock. Um, so p.m.? 9, yeah. uh, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. So oh, okay. Or 
yeah, but generally for day cars. Um, night shifts are normally different. They'll, you work day, though, They eh? drop down. Uh, I work okay. both of them. Uh, so we alternate our schedule. Um, but, yeah, like, the most intense... I can't even really explain, like, a most intense day. Because, realistically speaking, it all varies. Right. So, some days you'll run into situations where you're doing more cardiac calls and you're running into yeah. people and you have to do more CPR than other yeah. other days or you have, it's just more uh, advanced in the fact that like it's a, a really extensive call where mm-hmm. you actually have to go in and you're performing a lot of your skills right. um, so you run into different situations I can tell you some days are busier than others yeah. um, generally each truck around here we average I want to say we average around eight calls per truck um, but then there's some days where if it's a full moon and it's a blood moon on top of that, you're going to be doing a crap ton more calls and that's just based off of just pure science for some yeah. weird reason. <laughs> have you, how many, do you have any, I'm curious about this, overdose calls? Oh, uh, that's, that's a lot. A lot. There's a lot. Yeah. That's not, is it primarily around the same areas of the city? You can't even, uh, I, you can say generally like the downtown area is high but that's because yeah. it's high foot traffic high foot right traffic, yeah. so i can't even necessarily say that it's one over the other because and you can't even necessarily say that it's one type of population or the general population yeah. versus the other homeless right so yeah. a lot of people yeah a lot of people would generally say yeah it's a homeless population but you can't necessarily say that for sure mm-hmm. yes when you think drugs you think a lot of the people like that but then yeah. you're you do have other people that are um, well off that just have substance abuse issues and right. you run into those issues like you'll pick up on Riverside you'll pick up on Algonquin you like there's everywhere yeah it's everywhere right um, generally speaking I want to say like it is worse um, I haven't been working for a little bit for a little bit now I'm on paternity leave mm-hmm. so um, I can't say exactly to the point exactly what it's like now but yeah. being this whole COVID situation and yeah. I my own personal opinion, how the government has released a lot of money and a lot of people can qualify for it just based off of certain criterias. Yeah, which is very lenient. Yeah, a lot like, of people pick that up and they think free money, so then they go out and, and use and abuse it. And yeah, those people are going to get messed up hard with the tax. Yeah. When they do yeah. get it. It's no fun. When it does come back. <laughs> it's no fun. I don't think a lot, I don't know if it'll be taxed in general or if it'll only be taxed if it's under a certain amount. Or over a certain amount. I'm not sure how they're going to do that. For CERB? Yeah. It's 30%. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what yeah. I heard was 30% based off whatever you take. So That was the like 1000 a month or 2000 a month, eh? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. Because I did EI instead, but I was only on it for three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was, they're like, hey, uh, we need you to go back to work. I was like, all right, cool. Sign me up. I'd rather be at work than doing nothing at all at home. Yeah, it's a lot better to do that. So. Stick that. <laughs> yeah. And it's not even like, and I was still like moving around, doing different things for different people. I just wasn't collecting money for from it. Yeah. Which is like, oh, you can I pay you? No. Because they're going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> they always know, man. They're in our phones right now listening. Yeah, they're listening to all yeah. of this. So, yeah. Man, that's a. No government conspiracy there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> nope, they're not. My microchips in humans, dude. That's, I think that's where it's going to go. Yeah, it's still checked. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's still there. And the scar? I noticed you had a scar on your neck. Yeah. I wasn't sure what that was about. But. So, uh, first of all, congratulations on the child. Thank you. Remember, you uh, just mentioned you're on a mat leave. Yeah. Is it paternity or mother? Paternity. That's the... Paternity is for, ma- for ma- mother, ma- so... Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. So, yes, sir. congratulations. Uh, how was uh, that experience? Uh, like, those uh, finding out... What was that process like? Uh, it was interesting because I was in Mexico at the time when we conceived and I didn't find out until afterwards and my wife has lupus and she went through a whole process yeah. she ended up having uh, stroke-like symptoms but it was, ended up narrowing it down to being some complex migraine Okay. and definitely that a scary is. experience but oh, yeah. mind you not the first time I've been through that with her okay. so that's pretty much how we ended up finding out afterwards because she ended up doing a whole bunch of tests and she did some pregnancy tests and she didn't piss on one stick she pissed on five and i pissed on one just to make sure <laughs> just to make sure that they weren't a diet <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> and yeah it was uh it's quite the experience and we found out it was around um october we didn't tell anybody though because of so, some odd reason everybody at my job decided to say that they were pregnant too 
So there's legitimately like seven people that are actually off on that leave right now at <laughs> work or probably more. Wow. <laughs> Lost count, but some, someone made mention, it's like, oh yeah, there's something in the water, and I had to sit there saying, no, it's not in the water, it's actually something in the air, because I was over in Mexico at the same time. Yeah. So, when this all this happened, so. Jesus. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was quite the experience, and we told everybody Christmas time, and we actually told them via like a wine bottle. Nice. And it actually had the knocked up movie label. On it, but with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw I, that. You probably saw that, I eh? I love when yeah. you do that. That's yeah, so we did that on a wine bottle. We yeah. handed it out, and people didn't clue in until, like, a good, like, solid <laughs> two minutes. Because they're like, oh, why is there a movie poster on here? So, but, guys, I need you to can you take a double take of that. Oh, it's you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's I had to tell a couple people to actually do a double take just to make sure. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, can you look at that, like, thoroughly? <laughs> I need you to inspect the faces. Because, yeah, because yeah, otherwise, you, it was probably just that same photo, but just the faces, eh? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, not even the faces. It's actually posed. Like, it's actually yeah. us that are in there. Just 100% pose, pose, just pose, just, yeah. everything. It's just the editing nice. process and everything. We try to make it too fun. Do you edit on Photoshop? Lightroom? Yeah, Lightroom Photoshop. Lightroom Photoshop. Use. You have the Adobe Pro, like, the whole yeah. thing, eh? Yeah, I got the whole That's thing. I got, like, the sweet. After Effects series, yeah. Premiere Pro, Photoshop, Lightroom. You don't play around on Premiere Pro at all, eh? Oh, I do, yeah. yeah. I make my videos. Yeah. yeah, that's how I do all my videos. Nice. Because <laughs> I've wanted to, like, because uh, I used it a bit back when I had, uh, I had, when I had Premiere Pro for school and everything, and, um... I've always wanted to get good at Premiere Pro for movie editing because I think that's the Premiere, pun intended, software for all movies. Because I use like a Video Studio by Corel, and it's like sixty bucks, and I can use it whenever, how for yeah. however long. It's solid, but I feel when it edits, it almost reduces the quality, no matter what I put the quality as. But when you shoot the frames, the frame rate you use, do you change it when you put like? Send it to them or you I, keep it the same? How does that work? I edit it to like the tits. Okay. <laughs> I don't know other way of putting it, but yeah, yeah. like I so when I actually get my, my videos, I, like probably a different format than what you're actually shooting yourself. Yeah. Because it's pretty much considered like the raw version for video. Mm -hmm. So I do all the color grading and stuff. I do okay. the time shooting. And realistically speaking, whenever I try to shoot, it depends on really what you're trying to shoot in itself. Mm -hmm. So I'll normally shoot 60 or 120 and because yeah. 120 gives you a little bit more of a frame rate so you can actually slow it down you can do a lot of stuff to manipulate it and it just makes it a little easier to work with so at least you know you're not cutting stuff because yeah. if you drop if you decide to do like a super slow-mo video afterwards yeah. then 120 might not cut it and right. you might be having like some choppy video going on yeah slow down too much yeah and on top of that i work on the audio too so when you look at the audio yeah, yeah, you try yeah. to s you try to split it into different sections and right. try to make sure that you actually are not peaking with your audio levels yeah. right or dipping to the mm -hmm. point that you can't hear anything yeah it's too much change it's not balanced yeah yeah exactly makes sense so now you do that for ak photography right yeah that's your show yeah that's it dude what was that uh what's that like like how'd that kind of uh formulate into what it is now well Oh, and by the way, you actually did friends of mine who train here. You did uh, Phil and Emma's wedding shoot as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I did their wedding yet. Or, no, you did their, I did their engagement, engagement photos. Yeah, that's I did it. their engagement that's shoot. That's it, sorry, yes. Yeah, that was a lovely couple. Yeah, that was funny. They're cause, hilarious. Yeah, because I, I came in here to teach a first aid course, and then they showed up, and I completely forgot that they both came here. Oh, no. And they said, hi, I'm like, I couldn't put two and two together because of a di totally different <laughs> mindset. And then I'm just like, oh, yeah, you're yeah. your first date, Anthony versus. Yeah, and then they they made mention like, yeah, I know you shot our, our engagement shoot. He's like, we have a wedding book with you guys. I'm like, oh yeah, totally different mindset. No, My bad, guys. Dude. But it's like a totally different scenario because I wasn't, I did not recognize them in a gi, at all. Oh well, there you go. Yeah, so I'm sitting there. I didn't know there. they were in a gi. Oh, that yeah. changes everything. Oh, now, yeah, yeah, was, now it's whatever. It, it was a, is a go like the gi roll, so they're just on the mat and they're yeah. just like going at her. But I was just sitting there like, oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. I couldn't put two and two together. And last time we spoke, you weren't in a gi. Because, mm. Dude, it's, it's so confused. I see so many faces then. <laughs> oh, I bet. How did you get started in the business, though? And, uh, why? For photography? Yeah. So, like, I always liked photography. I always liked taking pictures, and I one day wanted to get myself a nice camera. Mm -hmm. 
Um, my wife will always tell other people it's because she did photography, and realistically, she's not wrong. Because she did photography herself, and she had a pretty badass camera, too, and I liked it. So, I just decided to one-up her, like yeah. the typical Asian that I am. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's, I love it's, it. It's, it's just the way that it works. But, like, uh... But realistically, it's me, like, she, she liked photography, and I just decided to try and take it one notch further. Yeah. And it... It pretty much became to the point where I acquired gas. And what that stands for is gear acquisition syndrome. Okay. So, in other words, I got obsessed with buying camera gear nonstop. Yeah. And pretty much it came to the point where I was like, I actually have to do something with this. Otherwise, yeah. I'm just going to spend 20 grand and I'll never make it back. That's and me so, with video right now. Oh, buddy, I know, yeah, and I'm trying yeah, to feed I'm you. Almost, yeah, <laughs> I know. You're, you're like, look at all this. You open your... I'm like, this is Christmas. I'm like, I'm trying to feed you with all I'm this. Like, yeah, I know. So it's just... It's been one after another after another, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. you see other stuff come up, more tech, yeah. new stuff. You're so cool, though. Yeah, buddy. Gear yeah. acquisition syndrome. And yeah. it's like, my buddy, my buddy Serge is, is the first one. He's done photography for like 13, 14 years. Nice. He worked at Henry's too, and he's uh, he, so he, sad to close down. He explained that, yeah, I know, dude, yeah. I'm so mad. I legitimately drove to Toronto I'm like a couple days ago upset. just to, dude, just to I should have told you, I need like three fucking batteries for this thing. <laughs> yeah, ah. I legitimately drove to Toronto, not not just for that, but I also drove just specifically for food. Yeah, oh, buddy, food. dim sum, hundred percent. Dim sum, yeah, happy dim sum bakery, yeah. man. That's worth it. That's got a solid place in my heart. Just go for a rip down. <laughs> Hundred percent, dude. I think when I'm gonna go, when I'm actually gonna go to Henry's is gonna be. I'm open the battery life for that, and with my two batteries I got for the G7X, I'm gonna uh, combine those and try to use all the battery life I have to get me enough footage and the footage I want to go from Sudbury because my buddy's going Ottawa to Sudbury. We're going to the Sioux and then the Sioux to Winnipeg, and Winnipeg has a Henry's. Wow, that's what it's gonna be. It's gonna be. Me trying to be efficient with my batteries. Jesus Christ. But dude, like I've acquired a gimbal, I got the tripod, I got the light, um, camera, newer camera, um, old camera G7X, I got the mic, you're showing me about this wireless one, which I'm also going to pick up when I go, because I hate waiting. What gimbal you got? For, um, uh, Ronin SC. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Love it's it. Good, good catch, good Love catch. It. I just got to figure out how to get, I just got to get better at it, right? That comes yeah. with everything, and gimbals are pretty sick. They are. They're they like, are. There's some good I've things you can bear metal. Yeah. <laughs> I've got through a bear metal. I've got the Mazda Air 2 right now nice. that I shoot with for, for wedding. And the main reason why I got that one is just for the weight capacity. Yeah. A lot of people. Yeah, you even much bigger. I mean, a lot of people preach by the Ronin, and I, I get it. They're more advanced as far as, like, the stabilization goes. That's what stuff. I want, yeah. Um, but I actually haven't noticed that much between the Mazda Air 2, and realistically speaking, like, I, get, I do a lot more with it, and it comes with a lot more perks right. for it, for the price range, so that's why I personally do it, and it meets all my needs, so yeah. I played around with the Ronin-S when it, when it came out, and I don't know, it wasn't my forte, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of it. That's fair. I want to get, like, an extension, because I've been looking at a lot of, I don't have a drone, because I think, I think I once, one yeah, once I get to the, <laughs> that point, then it's like, if I don't have a media company or some production company, I... Just, I shouldn't have it. Dude. I, I'd want to get that and get to that get point. The, get the Mav Mini. Mav Mini? Yeah, buddy. It's 249 grams. Yeah. So you literally don't need a license to buy No it. kidding. Yeah. And it still shoots 4K? Yeah. Or HD? Wow. Yeah, it still shoots. What's going on? The distance for it, though. It's not, so it's yeah. not like the Pro, the Mavic Pro or anything like that. Yeah. So you can't really shoot super, super far. Yeah. But like you can go at least like a good... Yeah kilometer to kilometer distance and still yeah. have like excellent footage like that's how i shoot most of my videos that's how i shoot shot my one video which is um uh, you i don't know if you saw it or not but it's uh ak photography not your average child photographers yeah yeah it's yeah. something that came up on spotted way back when so i was like
better than a, you know who Peter McKinnon is. Peter, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Probably not personally, unfortunately. No, uh, but uh, I think one of my friends does. Yeah, that I think sick. I think Serge Serge knows a lot of people. I don't yeah, know how. I can imagine. He knows Taylor Jackson too. Because I'm like, you've seen his YouTube show and everything, and I think you could pull something off similar. Oh, Jesus, not to that level. Dude, he's been doing <laughs> it for ten years. He's been doing it, yeah, he's been doing it for a while, Like, yeah. he's been at it for a minute, right? So I think, obviously, starting off, like, and dude, and I think back to the first podcast I did, and I think back to now, and not so much guests, audio, video, how it sounds, not even, even everything regardless of production. Just thinking one thing, I think how I sound while the camera's recording. Yeah. I'm more engaged in the conversation. It's more for real. Like, I'm not I'm not messing around. I'm not amping up a character. I'm just, whatever, just having fun with it. And it makes it, and I found, like, my first one, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I got, probably, I have this book open, right? Yeah. And I'm, like, just chilling. And I go first episode, and I go, okay, questions for why is the what is what are we doing here? What are we you know? And I'm like, Ruff, okay, the answer. I'm like, check. Now it's like, yeah, yeah. Like I can almost remember what I want to talk to you, my talking points, and then it almost makes it flow better and more prepared. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much it. Well, so, that's the whole part, right? Yeah. Like you do it so often that you kind of get into the drive of things, and now you yeah. start honing in on your skills, honing mm-hmm. in on everything else, and it's. it's Pretty much yeah. how everything really worked, really. <laughs> yeah, and it's... No, for sure. And it's one thing that, with starting out and then getting it to that level, which, again, I really still think you should do. I think you should oh, yeah. still try, dude. <laughs> I know you got so many things going on, which we'll touch on in a sec, but I think doing that would be really cool, and I think, like, the audience is every, everybody. Using cameras, like, doing photography, doing video, and all that. But yours stands out more. Like when I see it, I have like well, six or seven. Man. Yeah, bro. <laughs> thanks, I have like six, six or seven friends. Two of them I've had on the show who all do photography and like the photography business. And I've all of them. I like all the pages anyway. Yeah. It's not a matter of I only follow yours or I'm only friends with you. It's like no, no. Oh yeah, I there's a ton out there, dude. You'd I be noticed. You'd yours, be amazed though. at how many photographers are actually inside these. Yeah, like it's nuts. Like, not just you, a handful, just like at least yeah, twenty. Yeah, though at least, yeah. There's a lot of them that are out there. Like wow. it's all uh, like some of them are actual professionals, and then you get the other ones that just picked up their cameras, but mm-hmm. then they're just starting off, right? Yeah. But like, there's a lot of them, and then all of them start off like the same way that I did. They grabbed a camera and they just started. You started on it, right? Point and shoot. And then you get the other ones that actually did the proper schooling and stuff like that. I considered it, but. On another note, I also sat there saying, well, I've gone this far knowing all the stuff from my camera based off of YouTube, Video, watching yeah. videos and stuff, and yeah. honing in on my skills from there. And Pixum Perfect's awesome for yep. photo editing <laughs> skills. And I just yeah. pretty much grew off of there, and you start learning all the all the techniques and all learning all the features that everything gives off for you. Yeah. It's, you said Pixum Perfect? Oh, yeah. Pixum Perfect, yeah. Pixum Perfect. Is that a channel? Uh, yeah, like, yeah, it's uh, a dude. He's super popular for uh, photo editing. Then there's like Flern for PH with yeah. a PH. Flern <laughs> and he Flern. show now. Do they show it like kind of point of view tutorials? Like they have their video is of like Lightroom or Photoshop and how they yeah, work. That, yeah, yeah, and they're mainly just like Photoshop people. Yeah, just to just because there's so many buttons on those on those uh, programs, it's just crazy it's to absurd. actually just. And yeah. mainly, I normally use it just to actually just to refresh my memory sometimes. That's pretty cool. Because there's a lot of times where I'll do some there's sort so of edit things. style, and I won't yeah. touch that edit style for a while, and then I'll say, I'll look at a photo, I'll say, you know what, this one could actually work with this. Yeah, let's review. And then let's go back and do this. Yeah, it answers the one question you might need to just smooth out the process. Yeah, like a lot of times, like if you're looking at, not necessarily, I wouldn't even necessarily say like color grading, but color matching. Yep. So if you're blending two photos together, and like I, I do that once in a while, but then you're like, eh, I can't remember how to match them together, and so you just quick review on all that. Now, do you just take you take your one photo and you put it and you just layer them, and then you blend them? Yeah. So they're all layered, and they're the blending process is normally like the harder part because yeah, as much sense. as you take them, it you have to make sure like 
it works almost like a camera. So you have your yeah. focus point, and you can't have two separate focus points, and it looks kind of right. Weird. It looks like crap, and it right. looks obvious that it's two separate yeah. points. Yeah, and then you got to try and blend them together. And as much as you blend the actual photos together, there's mm-hmm. still actually the color blending too. Right. So like the tone of skin that I was probably like, if I were to take a photo of you right now, the tone of skin of you that I'd have in here would be t- different than the picture that I'd probably take outside. Right. So I'd have yeah. to blend your color tone to what that is outside. Uh, totally different. So it's like, yeah. you may be like a more yellowish blue out here versus mm. out there would be a more bluish green. Right. Right. It so depends on like the hue, like all the colors and yeah, stuff. Yeah. All the hues, saturations, the whole aspect and, nice. and shadows aspect too. So yeah. it's just a, it's just a process to go through for the color balance. <laughs> So then we'll jump back to something. Um, how do you prioritize? First of all, newborn. Yep. Career. Yep. Right. Um, let's see what else. Oh, um, photography business. Yep. We'll get into this in a bit. First aid business. Yep. Is that one like certified? First aid. Yeah, like that one's because so you got the you only know, you got the only way that that's actually certified is just because I teach through Life Saving Society. Okay, right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's I, just I certified that way, in that but aspect, but I don't actually have like an appropriate business to say that I go th- yeah. through with that. Yeah. Yes, I've considered it, but it's just I don't have enough clientele to actually just go around doing that, and I right, keep it that not, way. I don't yeah. like to. I don't like to prioritize or just generally say like, yeah, this is a business and this is a business. No, it's more of like a this is a hobby and this is a hobby, right? As and opposed to like a business, yeah. And yeah. and I do it for people at a, at an actually <coughs> super low cheap rate. Yeah, which I appreciate. I and yeah, yeah like I uh, research and a lot of <laughs> and a lot of people, a lot of people prefer that and a lot of people like that and and the whole reason why I do that is because I personally know the struggles. Yeah, I've been can, through there and I yeah. get it. There's a lot of photographers. There's a lot of people out there that charge an arm and a leg for stuff. And I get, I, I totally respect that because yeah. you're paying for quality and the quality is what you're going to get mm-hmm. more than 99% of the time. 100%, yeah. Right? Um, and But as from like my own personal stand- point of view, my own personal standpoint, like mm-hmm. there's, you run into people that are under financial stress, right? Yeah. Are they need something specifically for their job, but they they need or they need this to apply for a job? Yes, right. They don't, that they don't have, so they don't have the money. To exactly, and and situation. a lot of the times, like even my photography, I always say, people should have wedding photos. Yes, they should have them, and they shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg just because of the caption of wedding. And that's normally what happens. Yeah, you'll go sense. by, you'll have family pictures, and you'll be like, oh yeah, this is great, but the minute and it's up. Uh, Say like 150 bucks for mm-hmm. family photos. Yeah, dude. The term wedding. But the minute stand. that you add the, t- the title wedding in there, and you're saying, "Oh, hey, look, there's a dress." Now that 150 fo- 150 family photo shoot that you probably did that took an hour, yeah. and realistically speaking, this one that they just want a couple photos in the background is now turned to 1,500. Yeah, which and it just doubled, right? Yeah. I I keep my my wedding photos for full day, start to finish. You name it, it's 1,200 bucks. And that gets two of us. That gets myself, and that gets my wife. And we're there from start to the beginning of the day where you put your clothes on to the end of the day where maybe some random Joe Blow is taking his clothes off. Yeah, yeah, you don't just, you're not, you know, like, oh, we're only working 8 to 5, 9 to 6. No, it's... No, yeah, we we haven't to the point, and that's our highest package. And we've we've been told multiple times that we should probably bring our package up. We should probably be doing... We're sure. upping our prices based off of the quality and stuff go. that we've been giving. And that's people telling you that. That's yeah, yeah that's other people telling us that. That's and we're pretty solid on that. Yeah. On that price. And we like it because one, we get clientele regardless. Yeah. And two Yeah, seems people are happy with the fact knowing that they're not paying an arm and a leg for their wedding. Right. So Because their venue the already cost them thirty grand. Why do they want to pay another Why? Because it's a wedding event because it's a wedding right up the price. skyrockets yeah and the same thing like the first aid stuff like it's it's expensive enough to do it and a lot of times people don't really have the money for it so mm-hmm. they just a lot of then the ones that actually do it too like they're, they're going to people and i don't want to necessarily say like they're not the most knowledgeable as far as the situations go but yeah. it's more of the fact like they're not experienced because I work in the field, I use my skills every day 
and my first aid skills are repetitive, and they're always there. Yeah. And a lot of these courses, when they train you, they'll train you just the general basics, and there's a bunch of you guys that are in there. Yeah. Whereas I take small groups, and I teach specifically for small venues or small areas, like this mm -hmm. one here, Troop MMA. I did it specifically for a bunch of people over here. Yeah. And I keep them small, and I keep them to the point where, hey, your job is this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to show you what you do in this situation. I've done CPR courses for orthodontics, uh, wow. facilities and a lot of them didn't even know that you could probably do CPR on, on their chairs a lot of them were taught to just put them on the ground and start doing CPR I'm like no you can recline the chair you could do your CPR here now here's another question where's your AED mm -hmm. and a lot of people were sitting there confused I don't know where my AED is in this building it's like it's a small orthodontic right? office but it's a rental space so they don't know right so they're going down and True. but it just gets them the skills that, that they need to kind of like, hey, like if you're ever running into this situation, you guys yeah. should know off the bat this is the routine that right. we're Right, it's do. an awareness. Yeah, same thing like when I teach, better. I've taught first aid courses for high schools. So I've taught yeah. uh, 30 some kids, but those are all generalized too. Mm -hmm. So again, that goes back to the basics of the general courses. And then, but on top of that, I taught also for the high school teachers. Yeah. And a lot of them have never been in this situation where they actually had to perform CPR until one of them actually did. Right? Did you catch them before or after? I wasn't actually personally working that day, but I went back to recertify them. And one of them had... They sat there uh, saying if it wasn't for that course, if it wasn't for this, we would have actually been in shambles. Oh, wow. So it actually... It works out and, and it kind of reassures me knowing that the people that I'm training, they're actually using their skills and they know because I'm leaving a memorable impression on them. Mm -hmm. Two days for a course is, it's, as much as they say the minimum two days, it's not long enough yeah. for a course, because in those two days you're looking at it, you're being taught a whole bunch of different stuff, different days, yeah. and you're expected to remember all that, and a lot of the times it's like a Ferris Bueller classroom, you get that teacher just monotone saying the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. Whereas opposed to here, I'm saying something and then I'm turning around saying, all right, let's do it. Yeah. You're going to run these stairs to go save that kid that's at the bottom of the steps. Uh, but just make sure that you get somebody else to do this. And then you tell somebody else to do this. Yeah, like, you're so delegating. You get, you, get them, you get them to get in that habit. Like, oh my God, I never realized that this is oh, how man. crazy that this yeah. is going to be. Right? Because a lot of times people will rush to help and instantly rush outside just to sit there and wait and say, I forgot the AD. Yeah, I forgot what to and do. And I forgot to call one, and then yeah. they're running back, right? So it, it's, a, it's beneficial when you're going through skill processes like that, yeah. and, and you teach them the real-life situations of what would happen. Because yeah. first aid courses are nice, but they're very generalized, and yes. they don't tell you the honest, horrible truth of how the people would actually die. It's kind of... So, like, I don't know if I ever told you specifically the story... But I remember when we researched Julian, Neil, and I, and we were at your house in the Donovan there, and we researched, yeah, back <laughs> in the day. This is like 2017 summer. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Because I remember because it was February 2nd, 2017 at 7.30 that I did the rescue. <laughs> and so after that, I told them the story. But, uh, yeah, so, because I never told you details, but basically, <coughs> um, you want to hear it? You want to? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Go for it. I know it. this is your thing. Uh, they I'm totally like, down. Yeah? No, <laughs> yeah? Okay, because they were kind of like, now nah, we don't really want different audience right it's so, okay you only got three <laughs> viewers anyway so decent well i appreciate the three of you a lot now <clears throat> those uh those people love this but yeah basically uh i was teaching this adult class and um it was in the small pool in carlingwood it was like you couldn't dive maybe max 15 people in the pool tiny set like basement ymca uh, in ottawa now i'm just we just finished running lessons you know but i'm supposed to teach adult class so i there was rachel um, who was the team leader, Buddy Christian, who was instructing, he was off, Rachel was off, um, and then it was my buddy Patrick, who was in the water teaching adults level one, and I was out of the water teaching adults level two, and then there was Melissa. Melissa was our, is our, the aquatic coordinator, so she was in her office with Rachel. Christian was in the, lo uh, the guard room, which, as you know, they're attached to the deck. So, and then there was me and Patrick. Patrick in the pool, me outside the pool. I walk around, <laughs> I'm like... Do my lengths, right? Right. I'm like showing Buddy how he's got to like push his forward. Yeah. Roll. Anyways, I'm like cool. 
he comes to this and he goes, Glenn, and this is Warhammer, right? He's like, this 57-year-old man's name's Walter. Shout out to him. He's got a back tattoo of a cobra. I asked him once, I'm like, why do you have that? And he's like, I'm like, yo, cool tattoo. Why do you have that? And he's like, because it's cool. I'm like, how do you know it's cool? And he's like, you just told me. And I was like, well played. That's Dude, actually, yeah. That's straight up. <laughs> you can't answer. even argue that no, one. I was like, that's pretty fucking gangster. <laughs> and he looks at me and he's like, uh, hey, man, like, I don't feel too well. And I was like, you know, I'm cool. Like, just warm up, right? Whatever. Like, I'm like, cool. Sit down. Have a seat on the side. Let me know if this gets any worse. It did. <laughs> I look over at whatever. I go, I go, like, to the end of the pool, whatever. I come back. As I'm standing there, I got one leg up on, on the, like, pool deck. I'm like this. I look, all of a sudden, I look over, and like from me to that tripod, I look over, and I see Buddy go like this. He's just sitting in the bathing suit. Yep. Collapse. I'm like, what the fuck? Here we go. So, first of all, in my head, I'm like, it switches. It freaked the shit out of me yeah. how this worked. I don't know if it was just so many, so many like years. At that point, I had been doing it for how long, right? Like, you taught me first aid, I think, bronze star, medallion, whatever. One of them, cross maybe, and so, you know, I've been doing it for a while, right? And so, you kind of get in that routine habit of, you're always used to research, you're always used to CPR and everything, right? Yeah. So, you, I got the point, I had never used it before that, right? So I'm like, here, whatever. I show up, I'm, I'm like, I rush to the, to the dude, I'm like, shake him. He starts, I don't know why, he starts like, heaving, and he's like, coughing blood out, right? His eyes, back of his head, right? Yeah. So... I didn't know what it was at the time. I figured it was a heart attack just because he was moving quite a bit and he had already had a heart problem. But, yeah, he was gone. He wasn't doing well, whatever. He starts going, like, a bit more pale. And then I'm, like, yelling. I'm, like, Christian, Christian, Christian. And he's not responding to me. He thinks I'm just, like, messing around. Yeah. And I, and then he tells me after. He's, like, dude, if you, you didn't say first aid kit, I wouldn't have. Yeah. Because, like, he's leaving. He's His shift is done. I'm working. He probably knows I just want to invite him over to shoot the shit. I'm like, Christian, 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 first aid kit now. And yeah. He's like, oh. I look over, he grabs, he starts running, he's barefoot with jeans on, he slips, drops the first aid kit there. As he's like kind of looking for it though, um, back step a minute, he, uh, this woman, I go, I'm like, Christian, 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 first aid kit now. Patrick, get everybody out of the pool, call 911. It's about two feet up. The buddy's on the ground yeah. here. You can't see what's I'm doing. So all, all buddy sees from in the waters, he sees me. He sees me on, like, on my knees, and he doesn't see the dude until he gets out of the water. So I'm like, Patrick, 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 call 911 now. Get everybody out. He gets everybody out of the pool. As he gets up, he sees the guy, and he's like, oh, fuck. Rushes over, calls yeah. 911, right? While we're on the phone, I get out. I'm like, mate, the dude's still coughing blood out, right? I'm looking, I'm like, this is crazy. What the hell's going on? All of a sudden, I'm like, I hear, oh, my God, that's my husband. Oh, God. Dude. The woman comes over and starts shaking him, and I'm like, so oh, yeah. I'm like, she's like happen. bigger woman, right? So I'm like, so and he's, dude, I wish I was making this part up. She then looks at me and she goes, do something, do something. I'm like, first of all, he's still going with blood, blood everywhere, and I'm like, I don't have gloves yet. I can't. Christian runs over, right? Drops like falls. The first day it falls out of his hands, opens. Yeah. First thing I see is gloves. I've always had a problem putting gloves on quickly, except now. Yeah. I don't know why. Grab a glove, put them on. Like, that was easy. <laughs> and, sh and I like look, I'm like, okay, start compressions. Start compressions, whatever. I didn't have my, my pocket mask set up yet, so she does the rescue breasts on him. We get the pocket, I get the pocket mask set up, I put it on. Mm -hmm. I start going. The woman is still touching him while I'm doing first aid. And she's, like, breaking down, as you can imagine. All of a sudden, Rachel comes out of the office, because Christian's now given the first aid kit, ran and got them. They come back, they see me doing first aid, or CPR, and then they run around, and they're like, what the fuck? Rachel bear hugs this woman, picks her up, and walks her outside to the lobby. So there's, like, a glass door. Open the glass door and walk out. So you can see from the lobby, they get everyone out, like, just, hey, yeah. don't watch. We're continuing, we're going, <laughs> anyways, we do probably, I do probably seven or eight rounds, and then I hear, and then EMS shows up again, or we got the AED on, it, I found this out, and is this true or not, that the defibrillator, it'll connect, it like, your heart beats on a pattern, right, and your heart attack, it throws it off the pattern, and the defibrillator puts it back on the pattern, right, or that's what it tries to do, 
Yeah, so pretty much what happens in regards to that is just a, an electrical activity within your heart. Yeah. So what a heart attack would probably do is it just, it all it is is just uh, it's a lack of blood flow to a certain section of your heart or no blood flow to a certain section causing yeah. ischemia or death. Okay. So that certain aspect of your heart, whenever the electrical activity tries to fire, it's not reaching there because that portion of your heart kind of dies, okay. essentially. Right. So what happens is is it'll kick it out of itself in, into some sort of different rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, if by chance your brain decides to say, like, it's not working and it shuts off. So that's how everything kind of goes to shambles. Right. So your brain heart's not off. pumping up enough pumping enough blood your brain's just going to shambles so yeah. it pretty much just shuts off everything right um what will happen is that yeah your heart rate goes into a different rhythm and what an AED does it just shocks it back into an appropriate rhythm right so then what happened then if that since that's what happened i guess is it shocked and then it did it once and then it did it again and then it said continue cpr so i'm like i found out later that's a good thing it means it didn't have to keep shocking him. It only like it only did once. Yeah, it only, only advised once. Yeah. yeah, so I was like, oh, good mm-hmm. to know. But <laughs> doing that, then I'm continuing CPR. I remember like drying him down or drying him off and um, whatnot, dude. Game changing decision that you know when you mentioned scenarios earlier and mm-hmm. where you would teach first aid. One thing I never thought of for the life of me, but between my dad saying always put something underneath your knees, I'm on a pool deck. Yep. I take my flip-flops, put them under my knees, start at CPR. Yep. Smartest decision I've made in the 20-plus years I've been alive. Yep. Dude, my knees still felt like crap after. Oh, yeah, they still do. It was like almost 10, 15 minutes. And that's when I told you back when we uh, started early in the show, I was like, hey, we, uh, why does EMS not just say, hey, stop where you are. I'm going to do this. I was doing it, and I see them at the corner of my eye, right? I'm like, they come back and I'm like, I'm like, well, are you guys gonna take over? And they're like, they didn't do nothing. Mm. They it's so long, dude. I probably did five sets with them. Just keep going, keep doing it. I'm like, okay, cool, bro, take over. I'm in a hoodie, sweating on this guy. Yeah, just pushing away. And I'm like, fuck, man. For and the AD's telling me to push harder. I'm like, dude. Yeah. I'm like the strongest per biggest person on Stafford. Like, there's <laughs> nobody in this room right now on this team that could have been pushing harder. And I was. Hit leaning, like, giving her, I could feel his, like, ribs. I broke five of his ribs in his sternum. Yep. And Went down it. he comes back, though. So, fast forward, everything, like, went well. I had never been, I had never had a more anxious 24 hours of my life because I didn't know how it turned out. Mm-hmm. But I remember seeing him two weeks later. He only remembers being in the pool and then oh, yeah. remembers getting out and then waking it's up. It's like a light hospital. switch it turns off. I was like, dude, that was the most insane adrenaline-filled 15 minutes of my life and you're I was this close when the whole thing was kind of over to like just going to hit 225 on the bench I swear to god yeah. I remember thinking <laughs> about it I was like I have so much adrenaline right now I'm like firing it all dude I was seeing sound yeah no lie oh, I could see doubt. sound waves and I was it's, like, a, it's a different so, animal I, if you're an adrenaline junkie a lot of times it's a totally different adrenaline because there's the adrenaline junkies that'll just take like they'll go mountain biking they'll go skydiving but the minute that you go to resuscitate someone totally different I don't know it's it's just it's uh, the person's life is legitimately it. in your hands, right? As literal yeah. as it can be. It was, so it's yeah. like you're the legitimate cock block for death. That's, that's, that's a, a that's great the way coolest of looking, way of looking at that's, it. That's, right? that's fair. So I and, like that, yeah. And yeah, what may felt a, may have actually felt like ten minutes to you was probably not ten minutes. Yeah. It probably no, wasn't even two. Probably was only. And see, because if that AD would have yeah. went off. Again, in the midst of all of that, yeah. right? Because you said you continued CPR and you're wondering why they didn't stop. That AD would have gone off after two minutes. Yeah. And yeah, if it, it did, then yeah, it was two minutes. But just remember that if not, yeah, they they were probably only doing setting stuff up for only two minutes. Yeah, it was probably not. Like I know for a fact, it was no more than ten minutes total yeah. from the moment he was unconscious to the moment that they held him away. I know it was no more. First of all. Shout out to the Ottawa response team. Oh, because dude, they're badass. They were quick. They're dude. they're badass. Less than five minutes. Ottawa, Ottawa is like insane. Like man, I always give props to them because they're. I don't know how they operate 
They're they're like the they have such a diverse calls system yeah. that happens, and they're so understaffed there. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're they so for them to be there five minutes. Yeah, like, like less, that's pretty. That's pretty impressive for Ottawa. Jeez. They I, need I they know. need more. There's there's so yeah. many places that just need more medics. Even here, they need more medics. Just the call volumes, the way that that things happen. Yeah. Uh, like. Like the types of calls, the the amount of geriatric population. Jeez. Yeah. It's That's uh, hard. like they, they we need more. Same with cops. We mm-hmm. need more cops. Yeah, but people want to defund the police. A lot of people say yeah. A lot of people yeah. say defund the police. We actually need more cops. Yeah. You'll make that. You'll make that. Uh, you'll make that nine one one call. Yeah. And if you're looking for police, you're waiting. You're waiting mm-hmm. because they actually have a call wait list now. Like it's it's so it's wow. so it's so bad because they need to prioritize their calls because there's so few of them, and even with EMS, like they, uh, I we always tell people like they need more ambulances on the road, but it's a government funded thing, so they you need you need to get pretty much like bursaries for it. Yeah, and people hate that they have to. My taxes are going, taxes are going to when something happens to me, and I've never, and I want to touch on something else as well, but I've never been more, I've never had more respect for what you do. And what paramedics are to the system and government funded we're, jobs we're still like a that, young that we're still a young emergency response service because fire and police have been around forever yeah. like for years paramedics haven't been around as long so a lot of people whenever they refer to us they'll refer to us as ambulance drivers which drives me nuts but they'll refer to us as ambulance drivers because yeah. we've we've since the beginning of the time it was always been the whole aspect of bed oxygen blanket in other words if you're having a heart attack or you're dying we're taking you we're shoving you on the bed and we're driving yeah and just put o2 on now the way that it works is that you're actually getting like a mini hospital at your front door you're getting an emergency department pretty much ran in the comfort of your own home or in your living room or on the streets wherever you may be and the more critical part of looking at it and a lot of people don't understand is and they'd never actually see behind closed doors of the hospital is that that's a team that's a team of like eight mm-hmm. when you collapse on the streets you collapse in your house you're having, uh, you go into cardiac arrest you get an ambulance there that's a team of two wow so or maybe four depends mm-hmm. i think it was four probably. but you're getting you're getting uh probably an advanced care paramedic mm-hmm. That runs just like an eMERGE doc. You're getting all the eMERGE medications. Yeah. And then you're getting all the other paramedics that are in there that are knowledgeable in, said, in the sense that they'll set everything up. Mm-hmm. Ran pretty much just like nurses because there's one person that'll be pretty much like documenting. Yeah. In other words, that'll be the person watching the monitor. Another person that's going to be getting all the drugs set up. Yeah. Another person doing CPR. Wow. Or that other said person may be doing CPR and airway management at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you get like a whole system yeah. set up based off of four people that's wow. generally ran by multiple departments at the hospital. Yeah. Just at the comfort of your front door. And realistically speaking, we do a hell of a job. Yeah, no I'm not. I'm, I'm not even just trying to boast. Like a yeah. lot of them, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, as you should be. Like you should be have like doing an incredible yeah, job. Yeah, because it's it's crazy the amount of stuff. Like I've I've seen a lot of stuff. I've seen people die in front of me. I've seen people get shocked. I've seen people like come back yeah. and for like funny stories. Like I've seen I've I've actually shocked someone back to life, which normally doesn't necessarily happen. But they they come back and yeah. the guy looked at me saying, "Ow, that hurt. Stop." Like it doesn't necessarily happen often, but Damn it was boy, a weird phenomenon that actually Jeez. occurred. But it was pretty That's funny. <laughs> I've never appreciated more when people in first aid courses train you to do more than just two rounds of CPR. Yeah, because dude, you don't get a break. It's like hey, you, it's only thirty second intervals, maybe less than that if you're doing it right, right? Yeah. But we um, what's it called? It's not. The ratio of time that you get to, like, I got to rest in between doing my compressions and then somebody else doing the breaths and me back to compressions is like that. Yep. It's like I'm doing compression. Fuck. All right. Done. Or breath. 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 Back at it again. Yeah. There's less than three seconds yep. for me to chill out. And then it's like, no, you have to be consistent. You have to be ready and trained to go. So, man. How'd your back was... feel after that? Dude, swole. <laughs> swole team six, bro, like right? a turtle shell. Right? Yeah, right. it was nuts. 
Yeah, it was weird. I was walking like, around like yeah. the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, <laughs> my posture's so good right now. What's going on? Yeah, it felt crazy. Oh, man. man. That's yeah. funny. I've never had my boss, like, uh, my boss's boss, like, the general manager, like, never been more. He was in tears. He, like, came back from his house. It was, like, 11.45 when I finally got home, and that happened at 7.30. I was like, man, it was, it was nuts, but that's how it kind of, how everything ended, and, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I never had more respect for, uh, emergency service, and after that, I took lifeguarding so much more seriously. Yeah, dude. And, and I say you're good. Seriously already. As much as they say, like we're the first line of defense. Realistically speaking, it's the general public. You guys Terrifying. are. You guys are going to be the first ones because you're the ones that are going to be calling us. Yeah. Not the other way around. No. Right? Like if something happens at my house, somebody calls. Yeah. You like, could. You honest to God, and this is this is the whole reason why I do what I do, and I love it as far as like teaching first aid courses and and like CPR courses yeah. and teaching the general public is because. The average response time for EMS within Sudbury is between 5 and 15 minutes. Mind you, I've made it from the hospital to the Sudbury airport in 10 minutes, and if anybody of you guys <laughs> live in Sudbury, you know that's fucking nuts. But <laughs> no! That's Christmas Day, though. Don't worry Dude. about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it 10 was, uh, minutes? Yeah, yeah. Bro. It, was, it was Christmas Day. It was empty roads. It was, it was all green lights all around, so it was... Just, even if, even if it was reds, you're pinning a lot of right? a lot of people are telling me that that's a myth and that's a lie. But I'm gonna tell you right now, dude, I try, I time that, I time that. But anyways, wow. But yeah, no, we'll we'll generally get there relatively quick. Like we drive pretty yeah. pretty fast for what we do, and but like that's five and fifteen minutes. That's five and fifteen minutes a of of nobody's happen. doing anything. The chance of survival just goes straight down, right? I've seen people collapse in front of me. I've seen people go into cardiac arrest right in front of me. The minute that I do CPR, if your CPR is to the point, yeah. you're actually feeding the brain. So you're actually, you'll run into situations where the person's actually not dead. Now, how difficult, though, is it to be on point with your CPR? Because if you're telling me, like you said earlier in the beginning of the episode, that they'll show up and they'll take their time if you're doing it right, mm -hmm. which means I did four, four to five, whatever, rounds of CPR, yeah. at least five rounds with them there. Yeah, they didn't do anything, so I can imagine it was doing it probably right, like trained for right. But so you're saying then that's that's better that way. That what do you mean? That like you're doing CPR? Yeah, like it's better that you're doing CPR and you're prepared and you're ready to do it than it is to just wait for EMS to show up for sure. Hundred yeah. percent, because time is heart, and right. in this case here, once your heart dies, mm -hmm. right, time is brain. Within four to six minutes, you're actually going to have pretty much irreversible brain damage. Right. So now, is it difficult to be spot on with your CPR, though? Or is it just like you nope, train it? Just, just training. Yeah, just timing. Right. And realistically it, right? speaking, anybody can actually do it. As soon as you call 911, there's going to be dispatchers there. And they're actually going to, if you don't know how to do it, they're going to talk you through it. Yeah. They're going to talk you through it. You just have to be willing and able to actually do it. Like listen and apply. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, huge. And that, it makes a big difference. As like I was saying, it, to be spot on is is one thing, mm -hmm. right? And realistically speaking, like what you said, you said five rounds. I can tell you right now, probably was not five rounds. I said it felt like five rounds, probably five rounds in total. It was probably two. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. yeah, it was probably something a little lower. But once you get the adrenaline there, yeah. going, it's a big change, right? But yeah. you're doing your CPR. And by adequate, I mean like you're, you're getting that good perfusion. You're actually getting that recoil back and you're actually doing it to the beat of staying alive ultimately. 100%. Or another one bites the dust. You can pick a song. But <laughs> I like baby the shark. irony with Baby alive. Shark. Let's not, let's, yeah, let's not open <laughs> start that. Rocking the, start rocking the Baby Shark song. Right? Uh, but realistically speaking, if you're doing adequate CPR like, yeah, and you don't give that person hard a chance to actually stop, you're perfusing the brain. So the chances of survival are a lot higher. Right, so you're not giving them that break, right. and that break the process of right? the process of dying is uh, it's not what everybody expects. And I try to teach that through my courses because yes. a lot of the time, the hardest thing for people to recognize is the person that's in distress from a heart attack, and to recognize someone that goes into cardiac arrest and mm -hmm. know that the person's in cardiac arrest. Because like a lot of the times they won't tell you that like the person's gonna have some sort of agonal respirations, and that kind of mm -hmm. looks like they're duppy breathing. Right? They're not going to tell you that there's going to be a process where the brain actually has a little bit of a spasm yeah. and makes it look like you're having a little bit of a seizure because 
your brain's not being fed any oxygen in your body. That's what it looked like. So what happens is the guy just sits there and he just tenses up like this. Yeah, and he's moving right? though. His body was moving, so I yeah. think well he's breathing, but it's not not like we are, right? No, it would be like it'd be the spasming of the lungs because what your that brain is doing is it's saying, "Oh no, I'm not getting any oxygen." So yeah. your your mind's obviously gonna go. <laughs> yeah, because I can hear, and it's gonna do that, air, but it's not, and that's still that agonal respiration. Yeah, and then that's the agonal respiration. It'll start to slow down. They don't teach you that, and I try to do that for my courses because it's yeah, good to sure. recognize it. Yeah. And that a lot of times, yeah, it, it paid off. I have a couple people that have actually had to perform CPR have actually had to use their skills based off mm-hmm. of life situations and it's not just slapping a band-aid on someone's foot because they got a cut yeah it's a little it, more advanced yeah it, 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 it works it works for what i do so mm-hmm. it helps out 100 percent. so we'll end off on this i think we've talked about a lot of different things that you do and i wonder how in the hell do you prioritize all these things especially because you're a new father now like you're <laughs> married career father all the businesses well hobbies as you call them but how do you manage that? Google schedule. Yeah? That's it? <laughs> Legit, man. It's all, it? it's all scheduling. Like I said, I don't actually do, I don't actually devote my time 100% to any of these businesses. They're more of hobbies. And what you are talking about honestly just scratches the surface of what I actually do. Yeah. Because I do, I work as a movie set as a medic too. I teach, I fix and repair cell phones i do a whole mm-hmm. bunch of other yeah, stuff yeah that's on true top of that. yeah like i do a lot of other things you make cozies just... for steth- uh stethoscopes oh the stethoscopes yeah, yeah it is yeah. stethoscope cozies i always call them hashtag cozies it's so much hashtag fun cozies. Yeah, yeah i make that if you're running a cyber medic and they've got some of those well one give them shit for now because covid season it's no bueno yeah, <laughs> but no. but um but yeah normally if you ever run in a medic that actually has one it's probably one of the it's ones that I made makes sense. rock around, but yeah, yeah it's a lot of fun, but yeah, no, like I, I scratch the surface and most of the time it's just proper scheduling. Yeah. So I look around it. I look at my, my full-time work schedule, my life there working around it. Keisha actually helps us, my wife and mm-hmm. re, and she helps work around all of that along with the kids and my family always wants my kids. So I put them off once in a while. Easy. That must be phenomenal. Super easy. But, yeah. um, yeah, no, because Keisha plays a big part in it, too. Because yes. she'll teach the courses, she'll run photography stuff, and she yeah, actually she's, manages the schedule. What is she's a nurse? Uh, or she's a PSW. PSW? Yeah. I knew it was something yeah. in the medical field. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, she she does that, and plus she owns her own business, too. She runs a, a daycare. Oh, yeah, that's so, like, right. Yeah, so yes. she does all the scheduling and stuff for that, too. So yeah. it's not hard for her to just go about and do that and right. run all that stuff, too. So, you get, so, like, your skills, like, your tactical approach to your, your routines and your structure are very... They mirror each other almost. Like yeah. They work in unison. Yeah, it's well all based well. off of time frames. Nice. And most of the time it works 100%. Easy. Maybe a couple times there, there'll be a hiccup, but most of the time we don't have that because it's so yeah. well planned out. That's but it. yeah, like, because she, she plays the biggest part as far as like all of my stuff goes. Because if you, had, if you didn't know already, AK stands for Anthony Keisha. Keisha. Yeah. yeah, Anthony Keisha Photography, because yeah. both of us, were, they both show up. Yeah, because we're the duo. Yeah. Yeah. We'll always do a two-person photography thing, and nice. once in a while they'll ask for one, but it's... Right, and uh, like you got into it because of her. Yeah, right? exactly, so yeah. I drag her in. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> I'll drag her That's through all easy. of it. Even with my first aid stuff, I'll always get her to come along, just a yeah. second set of hands, right. second set of eyes. Right, because like you said, she knows it too, because she needs that for Oh, buddy, she saved my life. Oh, legit, easy. legit saved easy. my life, like hundred yeah. percent back in Cuba. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, tell us this. Oh tell yeah, this. I, I know, know you mentioned it. Uh, said, did you, you want this for another weird. episode, or you want to keep uh, this for here? <laughs> no, I think we can. Uh, I think we should just keep it for another episode. I'm gonna we'll, keep it for another. Uh, we'll, we'll touch base <laughs> on it. We'll figure out a few stories. We'll talk about that after, and uh, oh, figure buddy. out where we can go. The, re- so, the reality of things. Yeah, we could do that. Awesome. So with that, I appreciate your time, brother. I honestly. I love what you do. I love what you stand for. I love how everything's turning out. And uh, can't wait to see where you go from here. Yeah, buddy. So I appreciate you having on the show. Yeah. All right. Throw it out. Look at my hand now. Let's <laughs> do it up. All right. Take it easy, guys. Thanks.